Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang. I hope that everyone has had a wonderful week. Golly, it just seems like seven days is such a long time. But I will say that this week has gone by very quickly because it is springtime. It is a glorious time to be a gardener. You know, there is something that plants do to us. You know, whether you're growing a garden outdoors, whether you're growing a garden indoors, with houseplants and things like that, the reality is, is that green color, those flowers of all different shades, especially this time of year in spring, you know, it really gets us excited. And we've talked about spring fever, and hey, spring fever is a real thing. That's right, spring fever is a real thing. And it's okay now to have it, because I think we're in the clear. As far as late frosts and freezes go, I think it's going to stay chilly at night for a few days, but I don't think it's going to be too wild and crazy as far as freezing temperatures, frosty temperatures. So let's get out there and get growing. Of course, our average last frost date here for Zone 7, that's USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, Hardiness Zone 7, is April 15th, my birthday. <laughs> and it's past. It is past, and that is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Doesn't mean we're in the clear. We got to trust the meteorologist, I guess, which, you know, that it is funny. Did I already say this last week or week before? I don't know. I'll say it again. But, like, meteorology is, like, the only profession where you can, you know, sort of educatedly guess, be wrong over and over, and still keep your job. That's right. The weatherman, he may be wrong, but he keeps his job. <laughs> so, on today's program... I was hoping to shift gears a little bit. I was hoping that on today's program, we could talk less about vegetables because for the past several weeks, we have talked about specific vegetables all the way back to the kind of uh, beginning of our vegetable discussion, talking about notes from my grandfather's vegetable garden. And, you know, I love vegetables, folks. Love to grow them, love to eat them, but I think... I think I've had enough discussion for vegetables for now. So let's shift gears into the perennial garden. Now remember, the perennial garden are plants that are going to return year after year. Perennials are plants that give you great color, great textures, great forms, great flowers. 
And uh, they, again, are wonderful because you plant them one year and they will come back for year after year. That is perennial. Sometimes we get the word annuals and perennials confused, and that's okay. I understand. But think of it this way. An annual is just that, one year. You know, whenever you were in high school or even younger, we would always get our annuals at the end of the year. So that was your annual book. And so in this case, annuals, they are beautiful in the spring. They're beautiful in the uh, summer. Then when winter or the cold temperatures come and fall, boom, they're gone. That particular plant is not going to return. Now, it's possible that that plant put out some seeds, and you may have some uh, come back from seeds next year. But the plant itself that you planted in the ground will no longer be there. That's different than perennials. The plant that you plant, whether it's one you grew from seed or whether you one you purchased from a plant nursery, that particular plant will come back year after year from that same rootstock. Now, with that being said, perennials don't live forever. Perennials are living organisms just like you and I, and we will you know, uh, unfortunately not be here forever. Maybe that's not unfortunately though, especially in today's days, but, um, perennials, they will come back for many years. If a perennial lives three years in the landscape, that is nice. If perennial lives 10 years in the landscape, that is wonderful and amazing. And of course, some can continue to live year after year. So I thought we would talk about a series Uh, of perennial discussion where we talk about selecting them. That's what we're going to focus on today. How do you know which perennials to go for? How do you know uh, which ones to choose, whether you grow them from seed or from cuttings or division or whether you purchase them from a plant nursery? How do you determine these things? I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk about that. And then we'll talk about more specifics on how to maintain them, you know, fertilizing and trimming and those kinds of things later on, maybe in a future program. And, of course, we've got to talk about individual plants. So we will be talking in the future about specific plants. But there's always a beginning to everything, and I believe that for your perennial garden, whether you have one or whether you do not have one, you either need to be adding to the one you have or creating new perennial gardens. Perennials are wonderful plants, and when they're grouped together in certain colors and textures and forms, You can have a fabulous display. That is right. So that's all coming up on today's program. But, you know, if you happen to miss any part of New Southern Garden throughout the year, be sure to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. Of course, you miss us live. That's okay because at the website, NewSouthernGarden.com, we do have every episode that we've ever had here on the program. And you can also ask us a question. Now, I know it's been a few weeks since we've had some uh, questions and answers, but we're going to be gathering those in the top best of the best and uh, giving those out over the year because I believe that if you have a question, most likely somebody else does have that same question. So let's knock out uh, all those questions together in an upcoming episode. And you can send us those questions online at NewSouthernGarden.com, but you can also send them on Facebook and Instagram. Remember, in this business, in the gardening business, uh, pictures are very helpful. And so you can either email those to us or 
you can send them to us on the social medias because we want you to be our friend. We don't want to lose friendship. We want to stay in contact. So be sure that if you're on any of those social medias to check out New Southern Garden. Okay, so again, we've got a really big program for today. We're talking about perennials, one of my favorite groups of plants. Um, I do like annuals. There is a place for them. But I will say that they take probably on the scope of maintenance annuals take the most maintenance if you are to plant a perennial versus an annual annuals take a lot of maintenance and here's why because you have to replant them we have a season during the warm uh, season we have uh, certain plants that grow in spring and summer and into early fall and then they die whenever we have cold weather but then you got to replant them and you're deadheading and you're doing some things throughout the uh, growing season but with perennials you don't have to do as much. Now, there's not really maintenance free with any living organism. I mean, after all, I've learned it firsthand. We now have a, what is she, 19, 20, 20 month year, 20 month year old? How do you say that? 20 month old child, baby, Eden Rose. And I have learned during fatherhood that, you know, babies are growing just like plants. You have to do things. You have to feed them. You have to change their diaper. You have to bathe them and you have to dress them. And there are things you have to do for living organisms. And the same is true with the babies that are in your garden. Whether it's an annual, whether it's a perennial, whether it's a shrub or tree, whether it's a water plant or a vegetable or whatever you're growing, you're going to have to do something to maintain that life. This is cultivation after all. That means that you are cultivating this life, you are growing it, you are giving it a place to live that is um, uh, very habitable, what is the word, uh, habitable, a very habitable space where they're giving, giving nutrition and moisture. Now, we work together with Mother Nature because she provides some of those things, but sometimes in cultivation, we have to supply extra. We may have to give supplements. We may have to give extra water. We may have to give extra light by trimming out a tree or something or a branch to get some light to the plant. But regardless, it's cultivation. So it's not maintenance-free, but we can work to make it less maintenance wherever we can. And so in my garden this past year, I have started some perennial uh, plants from seed. Some of them are doing well. Some of them have yet to emerge. I don't know if they all will or not. Some, sometimes when you're starting perennial plants from seed, uh, you do have to have a certain process that goes on, a certain amount of cold weather, certain amount of moisture, and they can be a bit finicky, but some of them very readily germinate from seed. I know that my Gallardia, which is also called blanket flower, it's a great native plant, the Gallardia is starting to come up and look nice. Oh, and also the Baptisia. Baptisia is false indigo, which has a beautiful blue flower, like a looks like a pea flower, but they are super drought tolerant and look really beautiful when they're blooming. Now, unfortunately, that well, the Gallardia will probably bloom this year, but unfortunately, the Baptisia will probably take a couple, maybe three years to really bloom and look awesome. But let me tell you, folks, working with perennials, is worth the wait. It's worth the effort that, well, we'll say little effort that, that it takes. It is worth all those things. It is worth the hard work because, again, you're getting something for year after year after year, and so you're not having to repeat the same process like you are with annuals. Perennials, you plant them once, and they live for several many years. 
Several many. Yeah, that's right. Several many years. But that's good because it's less work in a way. Okay, so again, on today's episode on growing perennials or the perennial garden, we're going to talk about selecting them. We're going to talk about selecting them. How do you choose which perennials are best for you? We've got to discover what perennials have to offer to begin with. We've got to talk about what which perennials suit your taste, which perennials suit your place. Because, of course, there are many places around your landscape. Some of the areas uh, may be sunny and some may be shady and some may be sort of in the middle, part shade, part sun. So how do you know which ones to select or I will help guide you, rather, through making those determinations on which ones would be best and appropriate for you. And then, of course, kind of understanding. We'll probably talk a bit about how understanding how perennials grow. So selecting perennials is kind of the fun part because there are plenty and many to choose from. But we actually don't want to jump, even though I love gardening magazines and gardening blogs and websites and gardening books, wherever we can find pictures of these beautiful plants, I don't like to start there first. And why? Maybe you ask, why not start with the gardening books with all the ideas and the beautiful flowers? Because the pictures in the book is just that. It's a picture of a plant in the right space with the right conditions, etc., etc., and it looks really good. But when you bring something into your landscape, you've got to make sure that you're giving it the right condition, the right site. So the very first thing that we want to do, the very first thing is sort of evaluate our situation evaluate your garden space. You need to get out. You need to observe. You need to walk around. You're probably doing that all the time. But the question is, are you observing your space at different times throughout the day? Maybe more broad than that. Are you observing your garden and your space and your site and your conditions at different times of the year? Because remember, um, well, let's use light, for example. In the summertime, At the summer solstice, the sun is at the highest it's ever going to be, the most intense, and it's the summer that your plants need light. Now, I'm not saying they don't need light in the winter, but they're actively growing in the summer. And so it is very important that when you're determining how much light you get, for example, that you're observing from spring through summer. If that site or that area where you want to add some, say, Baptisia or that Gallardia, that blanket flower that I'm growing, if the site that you're looking at is only being observed in the wintertime, then you're not getting a good, accurate, and representative sample of the amount of light that you're getting during the growing season. So observing, walking around, not just uh, in the morning, not just in the evening, but all throughout the day, and not just in the winter, not just in the summer, but all throughout the year. That's the very first step. And when we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk more about evaluating your situation for a perennial garden. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our 
listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Are you looking for a less frustrating site in your landscape or a less frustrating situation? Well, I think that perennials, growing perennial plants would be a wonderful thing to think about, to take very seriously and consider. Uh, Of course, perennials are plants that come back year after year. And on today's program, we're talking about selecting, selecting the best perennials for your landscape. You know, the most frustrating part about gardening is not usually the plant, okay? But it's usually the situation that the plant is put into. Now, that comes down on our shoulders, right, gang? Because, of course, we're the one who is breaking the earth and inserting a new plant into the ground. And so we do want to make sure that before we rush out, you know, and buy a bunch of gardening magazines and make a long list of perennials that we're going to put in the landscape, we want to make sure that our landscape is the right place for all those perennials that we love and enjoy and want to try. We will become frustrated. We will become frustrated if we're putting the, the right plant in the wrong place. The right plant, meaning the plant that you like and uh, love to look at and love to try to experiment with. But of course, putting it in the wrong place is going to bring about some frustration. So what are some things we need to consider? Um, before we get into heavy details, I'll mention that as you're observing, we've already talked about observing your landscape throughout the day and observing your landscape throughout the year to see how light and other things may be different. Moisture of soil can be a difference. But one thing that you need to consider is observing your garden or your spaces through windows. So when you're inside your home, your residence, be sure to look through the kitchen window and look through the windows in the living room or in the bedroom or the guest bedroom. And think about the view. Think about the view from the house. The one thing we cannot fail to do when we are planting ornamental plants around a home or residence is that it needs to be integrated with the atmosphere and the mood and the look of the home. Because if we, you know, say with a guest room, Say you have guests that frequent your house and you do want to give them a a fine time as a host and a proper uh, hostess. You want to be sure that they're enjoying their stay. And one of the, maybe it's sort of uh, subconscious, maybe you wouldn't necessarily think of it, but subconsciously the way the landscape looks outside of these windows can be just as important as the landscape looks from the street. So think of the view from within the home. Now, if you have some large picture windows or uh, multi-level, like uh, multi, I guess it would be multi-leveled windows. I don't know. uh, Two-story windows or something, something gigantic that you can look out. Make sure that that view is just immaculate and spectacular because we do want to enjoy the garden when we're outside, when we're amongst the plants, when we're in it. 
but we also need to enjoy the garden from the windows. So some other things you want to think about when you're evaluating your situation. Of course, there's four main factors. We've already touched on light. I mentioned soil. We need to think about moisture, and we need to think about temperature. And of course, every plant, uh, or I should say different plants, need different situations. So when we consider light, remember that there are probably Well, I can tell you already, there are definitely four main different types of light that you're going to find around your home. Whether you have a very mature forest, say you're in the woods, that's one thing. If you're in a very open area, say a new development or subdivision or whatnot neighborhood, uh, maybe you don't have very old trees in your landscape. Maybe the developers just cleared it down to turf grass and that's all you've got. Well, Here's what's going to happen just because of the way the sun rises. The sun rises in the east. It does everywhere, right? (laughs) That's the way we're rotating. The earth is rotating that direction, and so the sun comes up from the east, and it sets in the west. Now, the eastern side of your home is going to get, unless there is a tree line blocking it, is going to get morning sun. Now, the eastern sun that comes in is going to be um, less harsh than afternoon sun because it's morning. It's going to be, you know, fairly bright unless there's trees. Uh, But again, it's not going to be uh, very intense, which is really nice. And I start with the eastern side of the home because, in my opinion, the eastern side of your house is going to be prime real estate. You can pretty much grow anything on the eastern side of the house because unless you have a tree line (laughs) you're getting probably enough hours of sun that would uh, fulfill the needs of a sun loving plant Uh, but at the same rate you're getting a less intense sun for maybe shade loving plants because by the time the sun rises and sets on the other side of the house the western side of the house of course you are going to get a break in the afternoon sun. You'll be in the shade in the afternoon on the eastern side of the house to some degree. Now, let's go the opposite direction to the west. Of course, the west is going to be shady in the morning, but it is going to be afternoon sun for the rest of the day, unless there's a tree line. And in that situation, it's going to be very hot and very dry. And the same goes for the southern side of the house. Unless there's a tree line, you are going to have very bright, intense sun. Now, the northern side of the house is a very unique situation when we're talking about light because it rarely sees the light of day. (laughs) Uh, The northern side of the house is usually the shadiest side of the house, and you'll find that the house itself Depending on how tall your house is, whether it's two or three stories, if it's just one story, you may have about four, five, 12 feet, depending on the gable of your house and the pitch of your roof. You will have a certain amount, certain distance from the house that is consistently in the shade and rarely sees direct sunlight. Now, again, as the sun shifts to the western side, you will probably get some of that afternoon sun away from the shade of the house itself. But I will say there will be a band. There will be a band of shade from the house all day long. So, 
I go through all that and that big explanation just to say <laughs> that if you think you don't have shade, you do. The northern side will have shade. If you don't think you have sun, you do. You'll have morning sun on the east, afternoon sun on the west, and pretty much sun on the south all day long. So any plant that needs extra heat or any plant that needs to be protected over winter, stick to the warmer side of the house, southern and western. Anything that needs a little bit of protection from sun, definitely northern, possibly eastern. And uh, anything that just doesn't like it hot, doesn't like it dry, definitely the north and possibly on the east as well for that situation. So, again, you can have a perennial garden in full sun, and you can have a perennial garden in full shade. Why? Because perennials grow in all locations. You just got to pick the right one. Now, to wrap up our discussion on light, I want to say that the easiest thing to remember, people say, well, well, let me back up. At the nursery, I'll ask people, how much sun do you get? Oh, it gets a lot of sun. And I'll say, well, how many hours of sun? Well, maybe two hours of sun. Folks, two hours of sun is considered shade. So maybe write this down and, 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 and notate it. For anything four hours or less of direct sunlight, four hours of sunlight or less would be considered shade. Now, anything six, eight, or more hours of direct sunlight would be considered full sun. Somewhere in between four and six, maybe five, I get well, five is between four and six, but five hours of sun would be sort of that um, semi-shade, semi-sun. So with all that being said, let me summarize again, four hours of sun or less would be considered shade, full shade. And then um, six to eight hours is considered full sun. So with all that being said, as you're looking around your landscape throughout the day and throughout the year, check out how many hours of full sun you get, direct sun, and we can go from there. Gang, we've got a few more things to talk about on selecting perennials for your landscape. Hang on tight. for the world. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. You know, gang, some of my favorite plants falls into that group that we call perennials. Of course, perennials are plants that come back year after year. Now, perennials are sort of making a resurgence. I don't know. This this may be like the biggest popularity perennials have made in the past, uh, well, the past couple of decades, give or take. The the. The, the steam and the power behind the love of perennials is increasing. Demand for perennials increasing. You know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, into 80s, we were all about shrubs. Just put some shrubs in the front. We're going to keep them round like little green meatballs. We're going to shear them, and that's all we're going to do. And then we're going to add maybe a bed of annuals with petunias or begonias. 
that's horticulture. Well, things have changed. Now what we're doing is we've seen this really big um, kind of trend. I guess it's a trend. A trend to grow perennials in sort of a naturalistic fashion. So trying to grow naturally, keeping that nature look, but of course taming it so things don't get out of control. So on today's program, we are talking about the perennial garden, selecting, selecting perennials for your site. How do you do that? Well, we began talking, of course, by observation, observing your landscape and observing your site so that you know your conditions. We just had a discussion on sun and light. How much light does your site get? So that's critical. It's extremely critical to know how much sun you're getting or how little sun you're getting. The beauty is there is a perennial for pretty much every light condition. Whether you're in deep shade, whether you're in semi-shade, whether you're in full sun, there is a plant, a perennial plant for that space. So that's why perennials are so diverse, so much good variety. Now, the next thing you want to think about is soil, and you want to figure out the kind of soil, the kind of type of soil you have. Of course, we know that here in the south, generally above the Piedmont, of course, sorry, not above the Piedmont, but above the fall line here in the Piedmont, we generally have very old soils that are considered clay-based, and so we've got to be careful that we're uh, making sure that the type of soil that is going to be, that the soil itself, folks, is going to be the home for this perennial plant for many years. So if we don't want frustration, if we don't want to lose a plant, we've got to make sure that we know that plant is going to be suitable in the type of soil that you have. Now, one way you can understand more about your soil type that a lot of people don't do is to pull a soil map for your property. Now, the beautiful thing is that back in the Great Depression, or right shortly after, uh, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president at the time, of course, he sort of instituted that group of uh, folks, the civil servants, we'll call them, who were, walk, who were doing all kinds of things to help create jobs. Well, there was a group who was studying the soil around the U.S., and so we have these maps of different soil types. So you can go to your county office and you can pull, probably can find it online now. I know you can uh, in the county I live in, just south of here in Hall County. But you can look up your property and pull up the soil map and it will tell you the types of soil you have. And then from there, once you have that type, that name that goes along with it, you can go research that further online. But you can also use your hands and your eyes you can feel your soil check for the texture is it sandy is it clay is it loamy is it fluffy lightweight um, also you can look at the color uh, maybe it's orange a lot of soils up here of course georgia red clay right that's what we are very notorious for but you can look at color to help determine what kind of soil you have and then lastly, and probably most importantly, is to go have your soil tested by your cooperative extension office. Of course, you can go to the county agent and send them a sample, and I just did one recently myself at the nursery. It was $8, and that $8 gave me so much information about the pH of my soil, and it also had recommendations for nutrition and adding fertilizer and whatnot. And the great thing is, 
is when you go to the county agent's office for that soil sample, they will ask you what you're growing. And so your results are going to be very much tailored to your particular uh, grow crop, whatever you're growing perennial plants or you can be specific and say irises or daylilies etc etc and they'll give you recommendations based on the kinds of plants you're growing so it's very fine-tuned just for you now of course with soil type comes soil moisture and moisture is a big key depending on the type of perennials you're hoping to grow or wanting to grow some perennials well they like it very wet And with clay soils, that's very easy to achieve. But some perennials may like it very dry. I'll give you an example. A lot of um, herbs, a lot of herbs, particularly like lavender, rosemary, they like it hot and they like it on the drier side because they're from that part of the world, the Mediterranean area, where it is hot, but it's dry. Now, we have the heat in the south, but what do we have with it? Humidity. So trying to give that plant just what it needs may take a little work. You don't want to put it in the heavy clay soil where it's going to stay wet. You want to put it in a drier soil, maybe even in a container, maybe on a southern exposure where things will be drier and where things may may be on a slight slope where things can drain freely. But of course, the moisture of the soil is going to uh, be a big deal. Now, a quick test that you can take on your soil to make sure you're having free draining soil that's not boggy or holding on to a lot of extra moisture is to perform a percolation test. And I'll summarize how simple this is in just a few seconds. So a percolation test, just like the uh, coffee percolator, the, the coffee maker that percolates, we want to see how fast water drains or how slow water drains through our soil. One way to do that, and the most simple, would be to dig a shallow hole, maybe only 10 inches deep. It doesn't have to be very wide, uh, just enough that you can, wide enough that you can get your shovel in and pull out 10 inches depth of soil. Then you can take a watering can or watering hose and completely fill that hole up with water. And then you're going to start to track the amount of time that it takes for that water to drain out of that hole completely. And if you find that that water in that hole does not drain within 24 hours or less, you have poor drainage. So if your water is still in that hole that you dug after 24 hours of filling it, you need to think about working your soil in such a way where you can um, get better drainage or free draining soil. Or if there's an area that's boggy and wet and does not drain within 24 hours, you could plant perennials that like that kind of soil. You see, that takes the frustration off you, the gardener. If you're planting plants in soil and in light that they enjoy and relish to grow in, then your job is 10, 20 times easier. It's only in those areas that you put a plant in literally the wrong place, that's where we start to see high maintenance and issues. So again, you may have damp ground, that would be wet soil. You may have dry ground, that may be a problem as well. But remember, it's really only a problem if you're planting, say, uh, wet soil loving plants in dry soil 
It's only a problem if you plant dry, loving plants in wet soil. There's one particular plant that is gorgeous and beautiful. We love it, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. Uh, but it's homestead verbena. It's a native uh, verbena. It's perennial, but it doesn't mind the heat. So you've got to think about temperature as well, not just dry soil or wet soil, but some plants may like cooler cooler uh, zones and you may not be able to grow certain plants in the zone seven that we're in and the reverse may be true there may be some very heat loving plants that may not grow far north uh, up into the united states in new england and so when you're looking over selections of plants and whatnot be sure that you're considering your heat index number <laughs> be sure to consider your usda hardiness zone because again in our area we're zone seven now you may be listening online you may not be listening live but wherever you're gardening be sure you know your zone um one last note that i may make let's use peonies as an example so peonies is a group of plants that are perennial they're beautiful i absolutely love them but they tend to like cooler weather and in addition to that, they need cooler weather to set their flower buds. It's their chilling hours requirement, a certain number of hours below 45 degrees that they have to have in order to set buds. A lot of fruit trees are the same way. But regardless, in the South, we can only grow a certain number successfully of, of peonies because we can handle the peonies that have very low chilling hours because our winters are not too bad. Our winters are not very cold like they are up far north. And so we are limited on selection uh, as far as if you want them to perform well. You can try to grow any that you like. But if you want them to perform well, you've got to pick the ones that are going to have that low chilling. Usually they bloom earlier in the spring and not through summer. Uh, but the reality is you've got to know that plant and we've got to know our situation as well. Okay, so that's basically observing your site, trying to get an idea of what's going on and what, what uh, situation you have. But there also are some other things to consider, like what the perennials themselves have to offer. Now remember, one of the very first reasons we're going to grow perennials is for their color. You know, you may find plants with blues. You may find plants with oranges, reds, yellows, pinks, whites. They're all over the place. And remember, um, you know, like blue and green, those are very cool colors. So they may go in a place that you want to chill out and take it easy. But orange and reds, they're very invigorating. They're fiery. And they, of course, work well in areas where you want to have this splashy display, an area where you want to entice people to come and sit, or an area where you're going to have high activities of recreation, maybe around pools or around uh, lawns that people may be playing football in or kickball or whatever kind of recreational activities you do uh, then of course the pinks and purples they're not really cool they're not really hot either but they do have this ability to create this harmony throughout the garden and of course it sort of knits the other colors together that's the pinks and the purples then of course there's yellow now yellow is this cheery radiance it's very bright and vivid it makes smaller places seem bigger and of course 
it always keeps the displays looking fresh and perky. It's a very good thing to have nice yellows. Now white. White is an unusual color, but there's plenty of perennials with white. Of course, white goes with everything. It can be just an accent of here and there, but it does give you the sense of refreshment and rest. Definitely is a restful color for the eye because with a bright yellow beside a pink or a purple or an orange beside a blue, those are quite high contrasting colors. So white can give you that calming down effect if that's what you're going for. Now, we are going to um, have to take a break, but when we get back again, today we are talking everything selecting perennials for your garden. We're going to continue our discovery of what perennials have to offer to us so that we can better make a selection of the types that we want to grow. So hang on tight, folks, and we will be right back after this quick break. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. I don't know about you, but I've been having a great time today. Perennial plants is one of my favorite topics. They're one of my favorite plants in general. And again, perennial plants are those plants that return year after year. Now, yes, trees are perennial. Shrubs generally are perennial, meaning they come back year after year. They don't die. But when we say perennial what we really mean is herbaceous perennials now the word herbaceous is like uh not not herbs per se but herbs in the sense uh that they are green and soft growth usually they don't produce very much rigid woody structure so let's call these herbaceous perennials where trees and shrubs would be woody perennials, okay? Most perennials are going to die to the ground every year and come back from the same rootstock. So again, we're talking about herbaceous perennials, and we've been talking about how to select them. Now, if you've missed any part of this program, don't be sad because you can check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com and the podcasting apps and Facebook and Instagram. So be sure to review this program, and of course, you'll find every episode that we've ever had. But we were talking before the break about selecting perennials. Now, remember, selection of perennials has to begin with observation of your site, getting to know your garden, how much light, how what kind of soil, what kind of moisture. Are you very dry? Are you very wet? Are you 
you very shady? Are you very sunny? You got to figure that out first so you don't have frustration uh, once you start growing plants. But continuing to select plants, of course, plants give you color. Depending on the mood you're going for may determine what color perennials you want to go with as far as their foliage color and, of course, their blossom color. But then the plant itself has a texture. All plants have some kind of texture. Now, it's not something that you normally would think of, but the texture is really the te- um, uh, the softness or the coarseness, the fineness or the coarseness of the foliage and the look of the plant itself. Let me use a very dramatic example. For instance, grasses, uh, ferns, those have very fine textures, whereas foxglove, um, uh, let's see, hostas, those kinds of perennials have very big leaves. We would say they have a coarse texture. So using the combination of these textures, don't just think about the color. Maybe even go into the garden center and take black and white photos. I think you can do that on every smartphone nowadays. But take black and white photos and see what the plant's textural value is without any color in the photo at all. Now, in addition to texture and color, plants themselves offer a variety of forms. They do offer a variety of forms. Some perennials are ground covers. They stay very low to the ground and just creep and crawl. Now, some we may call weavers. Okay, weavers would be beefier plants, not very low to the ground, but they do make this kind of loose profile. Um, They sort of go in between and in and out. That's the beauty of herbaceous plants. Some of them have underground stems, above ground stems that let them creep and crawl and move in such a way. Then you may have focal point plants. Uh, the, the focal point plants would be things that just spectaculars. You may do a small grouping to create that focal piece, but ideally, of course, a focal plant would be one plant that's very attractive, maybe viewed from various angles so that people can see it because, again, it's a focal point. So there are all many different reasons, different forms, different types of things that you may go for. The other thing I want you to consider is what suits your taste. Do you want big and bold, attractive colors? If you do, go for big blossoms. If you want big and bold, go for large, oversized plants. Maybe some perennials, they get 12 feet tall, 8 feet tall. Go for that. That's big and bold. Joe pieweed, ironweed, these are great native perennials that get huge. But maybe you want soft, dainty, kind of pastel colors. That would be sort of not very bold, right? You can definitely use whites with that. You may use gray foliage uh, for very soft plantings. And definitely just be sure that the colors you pick are muted, that they're not very bold and bright. Now, of course... At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week, we do have perennials. This is the season of perennials. This is where you can go. When you buy perennials uh, from a nursery, normally you're buying them as container-grown plants. But, of course, you can also buy perennials bare root. It is a great way to purchase perennials. Usually, that would probably be purchased online. Uh, but regardless, some folks will sell daylilies bare root. They'll sell irises bare root. You just get a little pouch or sack, (laughs) usually in the late winter, and you put them in your garden and let them grow. You can, just like I started the program, talking about 
my garden where I'm growing some perennials from seed, you can also grow them from seed yourself. And it can be a very enjoyable thing to do. It's a little more time-consuming, but it definitely is an exciting adventure. So again, just to sort of summarize before we have to head out for the day, when we're selecting our perennials, um, we want very first to know our site. Go to your garden, whichever area of the garden you're contemplating, and be sure you fully understand what's going on there. Know what the sun is doing. Know what the tree lines are shading. Know what the house is shading. Make sure you're getting a certain amount of hours for sun so that when you start selecting your perennials, you're putting the right ones in the right sun. And then, of course, your soil type. Is it wet soil? Is it dry soil? Uh, Is it rocky soil? Because rocky soil is a very unique soil type, and you may have it. I have quite a lot of rocky soil at my garden. And so considering that, and then, of course, considering how much moisture uh, your particular area gets is all very important. But then, then you can start getting into the details of the plants. What does the plant have to offer you? That I think that that is almost as much important, almost as important as knowing what your site is. Because the goal here, folks, again, is to create a garden, a perennial garden, that takes little effort, low maintenance, because they're the right plant, the right place. But in the same uh, breath, <laughs> we want to say, it needs to be something that pleases you. This or pleases the view. If it's a view out of a window, if it's the view from the from the street or the sidewalk up to the house, wherever your garden space is, we want to make sure that that is a pleasant view and that, of course, you yourself enjoy it. So the last thing that I'm going to say, particularly about um, perennials today, is when it comes to choosing them, it might become overwhelming, okay? I have a perennial book that my professor from UGA wrote about probably every, it's like the Bible of perennials, okay? It's as thick as the King James Version, small print, large print, whatever. It's a thick book. But the reality is, folks, as many plants there are to choose from in there, the most important thing is that you like it. For whatever reason, maybe you like the way it looks. Maybe you like a unique story behind the plant. Maybe it's a plant that, you know, your grandmother grew. Maybe it's a plant that you read about in a book of literature. Because there's plenty of literature books talking about gardens and plants. Whatever reason, be sure that you like your garden. Folks, This has been a great show. I just love talking about perennials. We'll talk about them again next week. So I hope you join us here at 10 a.m. right here, 93.9 FM. This is WRWH, and I am Nathan Wilson. So for New Southern Garden, I'm going to say stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Take care. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.